1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today our topic is Indiana's Planned Parenthood defunding law. Uh, Indiana passed a law in 2011 that prevented facilities that provide abortions from receiving state funding. And last week, a U.S. appeals court ruled Indiana cannot withhold state funds from organizations like Planned Parenthood. So that'll be our topic today. We have... Two guests in the studio and one on the phone. Uh, joining us in the studio are Beth Kate, who is a lawyer and also a professor in the School of Public and Environmental Affairs. Jane Hineger is also here with us. She's director of the Indiana ACLU, which represented Planned Parenthood in the case. And joining us by phone is Steve Aden, Senior Counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, his organization and the Susan B. Anthony List are co-authors of laws similar to Indiana's um, in several states, including Pennsylvania and Arizona, but he was not involved in, uh, he was not an author of the Indiana law. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, 285 9348 or you can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. So thank you all for being here.
0: Thank Appreciate you. Thank you for Hi, us. Bob. Hi. Thank you.
1: Think, sure. So we're off fundraising this week, Mary Catherine. We- Woo! We're happy that that
0: ended, <laughs> I think I think that there's been a collective sigh of relief here at the station and, and also gratitude from everybody uh, here, especially us, everybody who called in while we were on the air. That's so right. thanks.
1: Thank you very much. All right. Well, now, Steve, I said I was going to go to you first, but I think to, I've changed my plan already. And I'm going <laughs> to right. to turn to Beth Kate, uh, who is, uh, understands these uh, court rulings very well, I think. So can you sort of give us a, in a nutshell what happened?
2: So in a nutshell, the um, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers Indiana, uh, as well as Wisconsin and Illinois, just affirmed uh, a preliminary injunction. So in order staying the effect of the Indiana statute... Uh, which would have prevented state funds, including Medicaid funds that come from the federal government, from going to an entity that uh, performs abortions. Mm-hmm. And so Planned Parenthood, obviously, what we're talking about. And the, um, this law had been challenged uh, by Planned Parenthood and a couple of individuals. And uh, the district court had granted an injunction saying the law is not going to take effect while we take a look at this in more depth. We're going to stay it. And the Seventh Circuit that went up on appeal, and the Seventh Circuit just upheld the preliminary injunction, essentially on the grounds that uh, the law conflicted with federal Medicaid rules that allowed people who are eligible for Medicaid funding to go to any qualified provider to get their care, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was the the really the basis of the Seventh Circuit's decision.
1: Okay. So before we talk more about that, what's next in this? Could there be a, a next step?
2: Uh, what's next? Yes. I mean, there uh, could be a next step. There, The litigation itself presumably will proceed. This is a preliminary injunction. Uh-huh. Um, so the case will be dealt with in, okay. in greater detail, but also just immediately, uh, and, and Jane can c- jump in here as well. Um, there could be a request for the Seventh Circuit itself to reconsider its ruling on banc, meaning all of the judges on the Seventh Circuit instead of just the three judge panel that ruled. Right now, uh, could take a look at this, and then conceivably there could be a request for a s- Supreme Court review as well, which would be discretionary mm-hmm. uh, for the court. So, okay.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, Steve,
1: um, you, uh, how familiar are you with the Indiana law?
3: Oh, very familiar. Bob. Okay.
1: All right. So uh, you, this you is, just weren't a co- yeah, co-author. Okay.
3: Uh, it is uh, virtually uh, verbatim the uh, same provisions as a Texas law. That was upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, a sister circuit, uh, and uh, also similar to a provision that Missouri passed a number of years ago that was upheld by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the Seventh Circuit has gone its own way. Uh, They've given their considered judgment in the case of Indiana, but uh, they still are in the minority with regard to. Uh, whether states can do this, uh, and we can talk about that further on the show today. This this uh, bill, House Bill 1210, was really designed to get Indiana taxpayers out of the abortion business. Uh, it was the considered judgment of the legislature that uh, citizens were funding, whether directly or indirectly, abortion providers by providing the overhead of their operations when abortion providers like Planned Parenthood were paid for Medicaid services, and the bill was... Intended to get uh, the, the citizens out of that business and to direct the um, uh, direct the Medicaid uh, services of the state for family planning, principally to public providers uh, like uh, public hospitals, uh, public health
2: organizations, uh, and. Uh, Seventh Circuit. As the Seventh Circuit here was looking at the language of the Medicaid regulations itself and saying this requires that anyone who's eligible for Medicaid can go to any qualified provider. And the battle uh, has been here whether the state of Indiana has the authority to say you're not qualified because you're affiliated with an abortion services provider. Um, But the Fifth Circuit um, was really looking at a Texas program and a challenge to that Texas program, which was not the same legal claim. It wasn't dealing with Medicaid uh, regulations. It was dealing with a claim that, you know, Texas was basically saying we're going to actually forego federal funding if we need to and go ahead and fund women's health programs ourselves through state funding, and we're going to not permit Uh, funding to go to entities that then uh, are affiliated with or otherwise supply abortions. And the challenge at issue, the, the legal challenge, was whether or not that created some constitutional problems that you were saying to organizations that did affiliate with abortion providers or promoted abortion services as part of the complement of services, that that was violating their free speech rights or freedom of association rights or due process rights. So it wasn't really the two decisions did not involve the same legal issue. Okay. So I just yeah, want to that. Beth, Beth
3: is right in a narrow legal sense, Bob and Mary Catherine. Uh, and we will talk further about the Fifth Circuit and about Texas's decision to go its own way. Uh, but uh, the gist of the Fifth Circuit's decision, which did apply both to Title X and to Medicaid, according to the court, it was just focused more on Title X at the time. The gist of that holding was that because Planned Parenthood, still under the new law, could bifurcate their abortion services and family planning services and be funded publicly by Texas on the family planning side to uh, avoid uh, subsidization of abortion, then it was neither unconstitutional uh, nor preempted by federal law. Um, And that was, you know, that decision still stands. That was about 15 years ago, and it was reaffirmed just recently, a couple of Uh weeks ago, uh, by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals.
1: Jane, I want to bring you into the conversation. So.
4: Yeah, uh, we've maintained that the ACLU um, represented Planned Parenthood in this case, and we maintain quite simply that this is an abortion. This is not an abortion case, that this is about um, whether the state can defund a provider um, and deny the use of Medicaid funding um, because of... Of things that are unrelated to whether the the provider is qualified to deliver the services for which that um, Medicaid patient is going to them. So um, I I recognize that the that the statute mentions um, abortion, but from a legal stance, I mean, our view is that this is not an abortion case. This is about um, who. Who, um, who can receive eligible, Medicaid right, funds? Right, right. Okay. And who and the choice that the freedom of choice that the Medicaid law gives to women um, in choosing their provider.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, Steve, do you have reaction to well, that?
3: Well, I would that I I uh, I think Jane. Um, I respect Jane. Uh, one of the lawyers for ECU, Ken Falk, on this case is a friend of mine, and a gentleman and a scholar. But uh, that's not exactly true. They actually argued that. Uh, the law presented an unconstitutional burden on the right to access abortion in the sense that it restricted abortion providers because of uh, the uh, activity they engaged in, the argument being that um, it's unconstitutional to disqualify a provider because they are providing abortion, which under Roe v. Wade, uh, is a right under some circumstances. Uh, the, the Seventh Circuit did not agree with the ACLU on that part of the case and said that that likely would not prevail at the end of the day. That's right. Uh, that's right. But uh, yeah, um, but it is, it is about abortion. That's what the citizens of Indiana think it's about, and that's why they uh, wanted to get out of uh, the business of funding abortion. I-
4: well, if you, uh, if I can speak for um, Planned Parenthood, our client in this case, and they, the abortions that are performed by Planned Parenthood are completely separate. They're fund, uh, funded and supported by private funds. The um, public dollars of any shape and size that go to Planned Parenthood never touch the abortion services that are provided by Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood, actually does provide a whole host of services to uh, women uh, and men across Indiana. They have 28 clinics. They serve a total of 75,000 patients. Um, a little over 9,000 of those patients are, are um, Medicaid patients. And um, the Medicaid funding is just a fraction of their total funding. And uh, again, our view was, and what the Seventh Circuit, as Steve pointed out, the the premise of the Seventh Circuit's um, decision was that um, Medicaid patients have the right to pick the provider of their choice, um, regardless of any sort of ancillary qualifications that the that the state may want to um, heap on them.
0: So you would reply then to Steve's assertion that um, the people who are would choose not to, if they could choose individually, uh, are paying the overhead for Planned Parenthood to then go ahead and be able to provide abortion services. You would disagree with that comment? Right.
4: Uh, you know, as um, as Steve's touched on in one state, but there are many states that are um, making some attempt to defund Planned Parenthood with a variety of different measures. and uh, And so Planned Parenthood is... Quite aware of this um, um, attack on that front on the services they provide, and so I, they are scrupulous in maintaining um, a division of, of the funds.
1: All right. All right, let me let me offer our phone numbers again in case uh, some of our listeners want to get in on this conversation: eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington area. And you can go to our website, org slash Noon Edition, to join a live chat. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. So, Steve, sound like you were going to comment. Yeah, I'd
3: like to, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Jane likely knows that Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest abortion provider, provides uh, about uh, one-third of all abortions in America annually, uh, approximately 350,000. Uh, and it gets uh, about 380 uh, million dollars a year in public funding. That's about uh, a little over a million dollars a day, uh, including in Indiana. So uh, when you talk about the subsidization of a provider of abortion like Planned Parenthood, what you're really talking about is any anytime public dollars flow into the general account of uh, an organization like Planned Parenthood that does abortions, it certainly allows that uh, organization to uh, offset its uh, abortion costs. Uh, it uh, it goes into the general coffer. Uh, there's no delineation um, accounting-wise between dollars coming in from the public or from taxpayers and uh, dollars uh, coming in from other sources. And so the bottom line is that it does subsidize abortion. And the expert uh, accountant, the expert CPA for Indiana, Uh, told the court the same thing. At the end, it didn't matter for the Seventh Circuit. But we think that it does make a difference. Uh, There's clearly an economic and financial subsidization of an abortion provider's business. That's why in Texas, when uh, Planned Parenthood separated its abortion services from its uh, family planning services, which it did, by the way, after Uh, a long time of litigation and kicking and screaming that it was impractical to do so, that it really couldn't do so. It quietly did so uh, within only a few days, had everything bifurcated and was again eligible. Um, That's uh, what Indiana said that Planned Parenthood could and should do if it wanted to continue receiving funds, that it was just a modest proposal of clearly delineating between the family planning side and the abortion side so that the taxpayers could know that every dollar that goes into the family planning side is not paying for uh, the lights or the staff or anything else on the abortion side uh, paying for the destruction of human life.
0: I I think our guests want to comment to the accounting practices, but I want to ask about your term subsidizing. How is it subsidizing? As I understand it, they're paying for a service. Um, That's just payment, which is a different concept than a subsidy.
3: Right. And it, the service that it pays for uh, is, in, includes, um, includes overhead, staff, instruments, all the other things that can be used for abortions as well. So when services that are family planning services are reimbursed with taxpayer dollars, uh, th- that allows those same services to continue and to be applied to abortion. Uh, that's all there is to it and that's what the expert CPA for Indiana said to the court
4: and I, i'm not familiar with all of the uh the testimony at the trial but i i and i'm certainly not uh don't have a a um, the books of planned parenthood memorized but i can say that um a couple of things one of which is that um private funds uh, pay for and, and fund um uh, abortions and provided by Planned Parenthood in Indiana, and and if for another reason that federal law requires that the Hyde Amendment is already acting to make sure that federal dollars are not used to support um, abortion uh, services in across the state, not only in Indiana, and um, because of that, and as. Um, Planned Parenthood and any other provider is uh, well aware of the the what they need to do to make sure that they are abiding by that federal law, and uh, there are all kinds of accounting measures to to allocate appropriately and to demonstrate. There's a lot of uh, red tape and paperwork that goes with federal grants, and um, I have no doubt that that's been all uh, demonstrated.
3: Well, that is true. But uh, quoting from the affidavit of the CPA expert for Indiana, quote: It is reasonable to infer that Planned Parenthood Indiana commingles Medicaid revenues with other operational revenues, and that such amounts are used jointly to pay costs of the entire Planned Parenthood operation, directly or indirectly, including overhead, human resources, facilities, and supplies. Uh, one could conclude, based on this, that Medicaid revenues, in effect, subsidize Planned Parenthood's abortion services. So that's what the experts said, uh, and uh, ultimately that did not uh, rule the day for the state, but that's what the taxpayers of Indiana were trying to avoid with uh, House Bill
1: 1210. Uh, let me just read a little bit from from the bill. I think uh, part, of the, part of the reasoning was, uh, again, to get back to what the, the court ruled, any individual eligible for medical assistance may obtain such assistance from any institution, agency, community, pharmacy, or person qualified to perform the service or services required. So, I, yeah, I see what, what you're saying, Stephen, and right. that argument didn't rule the day. So, um, well, yeah, I'll, and
3: it all turned on who is qualified and who decides who's qualified. And Indiana argued that under the statute, the Medicaid law, the states decide who is qualified and who is not. Um, and that this, quali- this was a reasonable quali- qualification designed to avoid uh, the substitu- subdi- subsidization, excuse me, of abortion providers. And the
2: state pretty much, I'm fl- oh, sorry, the Seventh Circuit flatly rejected that, essentially saying that qualification plainly, means qualification to deliver medical services and not other sort of policy-based qualifications unless there there are a few that were specifically in the statute uh, mm-hmm. in the Medicaid regulations, but not this, sort of rejecting the notion that the state had really plenary ability to say, here are some other Legitimate interests we have, and we're going to uh, establish qualifications for health care providers based on these other policies.
1: We have a phone call I want to get to. So let's. Pam has been holding uh, patiently for about five minutes. Pam, go ahead.
5: Well, I'm so glad you're having this program because I'm sitting here in astonishment listening to this gentleman's. Um, comments because we seem to forget that abortion is a legally protected right and for some reason on the right they seem to believe that uh, abortion is never medically necessary that is untrue and they seem to think the pregnancy is no uh, tax on a woman's physiology or health and that is untrue this argument about subsidization and commingling funds my goodness The federal government hands out money hand over fist to religious organizations, including those hospitals and other things, and trust them to separate the funds. I don't hear people complaining about that, and they're not to proselytize. I don't hear people say, gee, are they comingos? How do they keep accounting? Planned Parenthood has been under attack for so long, and the Hyde Amendment, thank you for talking about that, they do know their bookkeeping. Only 3% of Planned Parenthood services are abortion-related. They are the leading provider for women's reproductive health in the country, the only health provider most women see in a year. So I just don't understand this argument. I used Planned Parenthood in college, sent my daughters, married daughters to them as well fantastic service focus for women and this concept that you know it doesn't matter to us that it isn't choice that we don't have issues that we need experts that can serve both us a low income it's just crazy and, and if we can't believe that they can't separate funds after all the abuse i think you're fooling yourself and that's what i wanted to comment on
1: thank you pam steve you want to react steve
3: services are abortion. That is an accounting gimmick that ab- that Planned Parenthood itself uses w- by uh, unbundling all services. It's as if they counted every condom and every pack of birth control sil- pills as a separate service. As, as a separate service. If you look at abortion as revenue stream to Planned Parenthood, it's approximately thirty percent of all Planned Parenthood's revenues. And as I said, they're the nation's largest abortion provider. Three hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, Three hundred and fifty. 1,000 abortions a year uh, and uh, close to $400 million in taxpayer funds. The Supreme Court, in addition to saying in Roe that there was a right to abortion under some circumstances, has also said repeatedly since then that states need not subsidize it and that they can make choices to encourage childbirth over abortion and that those choices could include the choice not to subsidize abortion. That's why the Fifth Circuit and the Eighth Circuit uh, have both acknowledged that states have the uh, the right to uh, defund abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. Steve, where's the, eight, uh, so that's,
1: where's the Eighth pardon? Circuit? Could you explain the eight, Eighth Circuit decision? Yeah,
3: this came out of Missouri. Uh, the Eighth Circuit comprises uh, three or four states huh. in the Midwest and that was a Missouri law that, uh, similarly to the Texas law, uh, required that any uh, recipients of public funding for family planning uh, had to bifurcate their abortion and their family planning services, and to my knowledge, to this day, they're still bifurcated in uh, in Missouri.
1: I guess I need some some um, clarification on on bifurcating services um, because I think that yeah, seems sure. to be part of part what of the, the issue. Yeah. So.
3: what that means is that you put abortion and family planning under different roofs. You have different governance, different boards, officers, uh, and that. They have different revenue streams and different operational uh, streams so that anyone looking at both operations could say, look, there's a clear separation here between these two entities. They are two separate corporations. They have separate uh, management. Uh, They have separate income and separate expenses, and that is what uh, it really takes To ensure that taxpayers have completely gotten out of the business of subsidizing abortion providers.
4: Well, again, Indiana wanted to do. Steve, Steve, going back to that Hyde amendment. If, if federal law is clear to providers like Planned Parenthood and and um, others that they cannot use federal dollars to support abortion services, then then that division is already taking place. And having the state superimpose a, a, a. Another notion of bifurcation um, isn't isn't necessary the again these providers don't want to mess with the federal government they don't want to um, get on the wrong side of that and and they are being scrupulous in in um, observing that that separation of of dollars and this the state's attempt to dictate who um, providers that women can go to for other services because of um, some sense that um, that that separation isn't occurring. It's it's being monitored monitored sufficiently under the Hyde Amendment. And this is an um, an unnecessary burden on a woman's choice to pick the provider of her choice.
0: You know, um, abortion is the law of the land, illegal. Uh, That's the law of the land right now. And as taxpayers, we're all uh, called upon to pay for things that we don't necessarily agree with. We we pay our taxes whether we like the war that's going on. We pay our taxes whether we like the way uh, they're being spent or not. Uh, So how does your group react to that? Why is this different than any other thing that we are asked to pay for? that we may not necessarily agree with, but it's the law of the land?
3: Well, for two reasons. First, because abortion is the destruction of innocent human life. And for millennia, uh, most people, including Americans today, a majority of them uh, believe that uh, abortion is wrong and that it should be restricted under most circumstances. So it's not a question of what the public policy is. The public policy of both the country and the state of Indiana, the citizens, is that Uh, we don't want to get involved in uh, paying for uh, the destruction of human life with tax dollars. And the Supreme Court has said that is just fine. So, first of all, uh, it is different that the citizens of Indiana know it's different and they desire to get taxpayers out of the abortion business for that reason. And second, both the Supreme Court and we believe the law of uh, Medicaid and the Constitution allow states to do this. Perhaps... The approach that Indiana took ultimately uh, will not be upheld by the courts, but that doesn't mean that Indiana and other states will stop trying to get taxpayers out of the abortion business because feelings run very strong and deep about this, and uh, rightly they should. Until, uh, Until states and the federal government are completely out of the business of subsidizing abortion, we're going to continue to have these conflicts. Uh, Abortionists do not need the support of the federal and state governments. In fact, Planned Parenthood is a $1.1 billion annual organization that has a huge surplus, a huge uh, campaign war chest. They're spending $12 million supporting President Obama's reelection. Uh, They just don't need the taxpayers' money.
1: Steve, uh, I was told before the show that you were going to have to leave at halftime. Can you stick around longer, or do you have to go? Oh, no, I'm fine. Okay, good.
3: Yeah, I'm fine.
1: Okay, great, because we're going to have to take a a break. We've got a lot of people lining up on the phones. I know Beth wants to respond, and so we've got a lot of conversation to come. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
6: This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at wfiu.org.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. We're having a lively discussion about uh, the recent court ruling. Indiana passed a law in 2011 that prevented facilities that provide abortions from receiving state funding. Last week, a U.S. appeals court ruled Indiana cannot withhold state funds from organizations like Planned Parenthood. That's our topic today. We have three guests with us, Beth Kate, Associate Professor of Law and Public Affairs, IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs, Jane Henniger, the Executive Director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana, and Steve Aden, Senior Counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you want to join us, call us 855-0811, 877-285-9348, or join our live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition Beth, quick comment.
2: Yeah, just to react um, because Steve, uh, Steve's last comments sort of were describing uh, a monolithic, if you will, federal and state public policy um, against abortion. And it's worth at least noting that in addition to the litigation that produced the Seventh Circuit decision, there is a parallel administrative proceeding where the state, if it's going to change who can receive Medicaid funding, it has to go and get approval for that from the federal government, from HHS, the unit of HHS. And they have so far uh, said that um, what the state has done here violates Medicaid rules as well. They were an amicus a friend of the court in the uh, litigation proceedings. And so although those administrative proceedings are not final yet, so far the word out of that is that the federal government in the form of HHS also agrees that this is a violation of the Medicaid rule, that if you're eligible for Medicaid, you go to any qualified provider meeting someone who's qualified medically to provide your services. And again, there are other services. They're not abortion services that we're talking about. All right. We we
3: have three or four collars. That's right. Uh, I was just going to quickly say this. The administration has come down strongly on the side of Planned Parenthood in every single state over the last year or so that has moved to defund Planned Parenthood. The Obama administration seems to be Planned Parenthood's best friend. Uh, In Indiana, they filed an amicus brief. In Texas, they did the same thing. In Arizona, and they're uh, arguing for the position ultimately uh, taken by the Seventh Circuit. But this is a new position. It's not something they have ever articulated. Uh, it looks like they made it up out of whole cloth because they couldn't cite to a single case that says uh, that, uh, uh, that you can't exclude an abo- uh, a, a provider of Medicaid based on the so-called scope of services provided. Scope of services is actually a proxy for abortion. Uh, And that, as I said, is not the position taken by the Fifth Circuit or the Eighth Circuit. So we'll see ultimately what the rest of the courts in the Supreme Court have to say about it.
4: Well, and and just can I just quote what what the court said, which was that the state does not have plenary authority to exclude a class of providers for any reason, more particularly for a reason unrelated to provider qualifications. So the court was really focusing on qualifications and whether Planned Parenthood is a it was a provider that was qualified to provide the services for which these women were going, going and using Medicaid funds. And, again, to counter Steve's um, assertion that um, Planned Parenthood or any other provider that might provide women with abortion services, that they don't need taxpayer money, he's right. And they don't use taxpayer money for abortion services. Okay,
1: Steve, Beth, hold your thoughts because we got to go to the phones. We have four phone calls. Christina, go ahead.
7: Hello? Hello, Christina.
1: Sure, go right ahead.
7: Okay. Um, I am not a lawyer, by any means, but this um, uh, gentleman from the Alliance for Defending Freedom is very typical of um, a a number of, usually men, who belong to organizations which have extremely misleading names. I don't know whose freedom he thinks his organization is defending, but it's certainly not women's freedom. Um, The um, I had the uh, occasion many years ago to meet with a, a lady who had, had been, because abortion was illegal at the time in that country, had been forced to have a backstreet abortion. And later when she was able to have a child, was unable to, you know, when she was in the circumstances where she hoped to have a child, was unable to do so because of a botched abortion. Uh, nobody likes abortion. Nobody rushes out saying oh i 'm going to have an abortion today or you know it 's not something that people celebrate but it's it 's something that in some circumstances, women make the very difficult decision that it 's something they have to do and uh, we 've heard uh, right wingers um, a- opposing uh, abortion um, even in circumstances of rape. our own Murdoch. Candidate for Senate came out with that ridiculous remark uh, last week in the uh, in the debate. Um, the, the the principle, regardless of all the legal ins and outs of it, has is the same now as it always has been, which is most people believe that abortion should be safe, it should be legal, and it should be rare. Um, and you know the right wing trying to suppress opportunities, for instance, for contraception to being available, um, are just uh, robbing women of the freedom to live the kind of life they deserve to live.
1: All right, Christina, thanks a lot for your comments. Steve, quick comment. Thank
7: you. Yeah, um,
3: I'm actually in the pro-life movement because of the women in my life. My late mother, my sisters, uh, my wife uh, have all been involved in. Uh, helping women who either feel they have no choice uh, and have had an abortion and are suffering the consequences of that decision, uh, or looking for real answers about the choices they may have legally and not getting them from places like Planned Parenthood. So the fact that I am a male, uh, I think, should not disqualify me from uh, having to say a few things about this debate. Uh, in terms of the legal issues that uh, Christina raised uh, The Roe v. Wade case did not end back-alley abortions. Uh, There are still horrific abortion practitioners. Uh, Frequently, we hear of abortionists like uh, Stephen Brigham in the Mid-Atlantic area who ran seven clinics being charged uh, with criminal charges for for, uh, destroying uh, lives of women, uh, abortionists who... Uh, like uh, the abortionist in Philadelphia ran a uh, a, a horrible abortion mill that resulted in uh, the deaths of um, women and babies who uh, were just being born uh, rather than uh, early term abortions. Why are these places still in existence? Well, back alley abortionists still exist because the states who are supposed to regulate them and protect the health and safety of women uh, think that because Abortion is a constitutional right, so-called. They have no right or responsibility to regulate it. Uh, there has been no comprehensive study of it, but I would wager to say that there are possibly as many back-alley abortions out there now operating under the arm of the law as there were before Roe v. Wade because of the so-called constitutionalization of abortion.
2: Okay. Steve, I, I would take great issue with the notion that state regulators do not think they have the authority to deal with uh, destructive practices and particularly uh, probably unlawful practices under their own state's rules about as to health and human services because abortion has been recognized as a limited right uh, from a constitutional standpoint I mean do you if you 're really saying that things that might otherwise meet the definitions of great harm or assault or battery uh, can't be dealt with um, because of a recognized limited abortion, right? I guess I would really question that, and I think it's easy to talk about one or two anecdotes. But the question is, what do the studies and the data show more comprehensively about whether the legalization of abortion and the decriminalization of abortion, uh, what have, has that impact had on women's health overall, And and Jane may want to speak to that as well. I don't know. I
4: I don't have statistics that I can spot. I'm sure that if we had... representative from Planned Parenthood, our client in this case, they could easily talk about not only the um, health benefits that have come from women having more control over their um, ability and uh, to decide when they start a family, but also they could speak quite authoritatively on the regulation that they are under in all of their practices, which I imagine are um, strenuous and, um, and strictly adhered to. It, certainly, you can find exception. You can find bad providers, no matter what. And there are dentists that are are a bane to society. There are um, any any service can be provided poorly and incompetently. And um, I think that it be very challenged to say that women um, are suffering more um, botched abortions and the uh, bad reperca- repercussions of um, post. Um, wrote the decision that Roe v. Wade.
1: All right. We need to go back to the phones. Thank you all for your comments. We're going to Arlene now. Arlene?
8: Hello. Um, I think it's ludicrous for Steve to keep saying that Indiana taxpayers are funding Planned Parenthood's abortion services, as the point has already been made. Uh, Accounting practices uh, clearly allow for those services to be totally separate so the fact that he keeps repeating it, trying to muddle the issue, um, is very disturbing to me. Uh, the best way to prevent abortions, which supposedly he is in favor of, is to not get pregnant. There is absolutely nobody who can deny that. Planned Parenthood has a lengthy, lengthy record of doing an excellent job in that regard, in addition to, excuse me, to their other services for women. So to try and um, defund Planned Parenthood through a backdoor maneuver uh, is also increasing the possibility of more abortions because women may not find another service provider as cheap or as accessible as Planned Parenthood would be for them. I also want to mention that at my church uh, several years ago we had a Lenten class discussing this issue. And um, a pastor at the time mentioned that his son, who was in medical training, was required to do an internship somewhere. He chose Planned Parenthood for the specific point of trying to find some dirt, if you will, that would support his feelings against the organization. And instead, he came away totally with the care that they gave. So I just resent the uh, attempt to defund Planned Parenthood's very legitimate service to women.
1: Okay. Thank you, Arlene. No, thank you. Ar- Arlene was calling yeah. from uh, Columbus, I should say. And I want to go, Steve, hold your thoughts. I want to go next to yeah, Susan, sure. Susan in Bloomington.
9: Susan, Hello.
1: Hi. Go ahead.
9: Hi. I just wanted to say, uh, I, I so far I think I agree with everything I've heard from Christina, and I miss everyone else there, but... um yeah, just a few additional thoughts. I heard Steve and something about how much money we spend on abortions. Like, For the heck of it, I took a look at how much the U.S. spends each year to, for, to build uh, and create guns and bombs, and it's a lot more money. So I would think that if people are concerned about life, they might want to think about all the lives out there that are a lot older and out of the womb that are getting snuffed out all the time, not for a very good reason. The other thing is that if you really care about this and you want women to have any choice available and be safe, why don't we make universal health care an option so that women can have the care they need? I happen to have lived overseas a few years, and one of the Middle Eastern countries I lived in, if you move there with a baby, they gave you enough to stay home and take care of the child for the first seven years of its life before you had to go out and work. Now that's taking care of the mother. And the last thing is a bumper sticker I saw a long time ago. If you can't trust me with a choice, how can you trust me with a child?
1: Thank you. All right, Susan. Thanks a lot for the call. Susan was from Bloomington. And now we have another call from Columbus, from Cheryl. Cheryl?
10: Hi. Um, I just have a a couple of concerns. And one is using the term uh, that taxpayers are subsidizing abortion um, and that there's a problem with that. My concern is that I think as a taxpayer, I have a problem with subsidizing the oil companies, and yet I get nothing out of it except higher gas prices. But it's still okay. Nobody seems to be fighting for that. I also had a problem with the term using it as a puppy mill, that somehow women are basically female dogs going to get uh, a medical procedure done. Uh, that really concerns me, that again, it's kind of a degrading, to me it's a degrading term to women. And then the other thing is the, the, the accountant used, used the phrase something about a reasonable conclusion that taxpayer money was paying for the services. Well. I'm not going, as a, a taxpayer, I would not make a decision based on a reasonable conclusion. I would want actual evidence of that. And then an also you would have to, therefore, conclude that it's a reasonable conclusion that those of us who donate money to Planned Parenthood would also be subsidizing or helping to fund the other services that are paid for uh, that is actually, uh, the government does actually uh, fund money to. So that's... That's all I have
1: to say. All right, Cheryl. Thanks a lot, Cheryl. And uh, we we have struck a nerve in Columbus. We have Tom from Columbus. Who's next, Tom?
2: Hi. um, Yeah. I'm largely repeating things that have been said, so I'll keep this real short. But I consider myself a fairly hardcore pro-lifer, and I support Planned Parenthood because I think they do the best job of preventing the crisis pregnancies in the first place, and not just by providing birth control and stuff, but they have, they're a place where a woman can say to a confused young woman maybe something along the lines of, if your boyfriend is pressuring you into having sex, maybe what you need isn't birth control but a new boyfriend. And they would be taken more seriously than an awful lot of other people who might say something similar. So while I'm very pro-life, I support Planned Parenthood real strongly.
1: All right, Tom. Thanks a lot. Sure. Uh Steve, you want to react? And then we're going to go to Mary yeah, Catherine. Sure. She's got some. Uh, thank, yeah,
3: thank comments. you all very much uh-huh. for those comments. Uh, first of all, the facts in the Philadelphia situation with Dr. Kermit Gosnell, there was a task force that studied why women had been injured and killed by this institution, and the task force itself concluded that one of the big reasons was that the Department of Health had not done its job because it did not feel it had authority to regulate abortion practitioners. And thankfully, that's changing now in Pennsylvania under pro-life leadership. Uh, Second, a couple of the callers have said that the way to deal with unintended pregnancy is to provide reproductive services. Actually, study after study has shown that there is no correlation between the availability of birth control and the incidence of abortion. They're just not connected. So funding Planned Parenthood because you want to avoid abortions is not the way to go. In fact, if you start going to Planned Parenthood, getting birth control, and you're sexually active from the time that you're in your middle teens through your 20s because birth control, both chemical and barrier, has a failure rate that's not insubstantial, chances are sooner or later you're going to wind up pregnant and need an abortion from Planned Parenthood, which is more than happy to give you one for the price. Planned Parenthood provides um, uh, across the country uh, services that have been coming increasingly under question. In Illinois, for example, Chicago, a woman died at a Planned Parenthood facility recently. Uh, There have been other reports of death and injuries at Planned Parenthood abortion clinics across the country. And there are also reports, uh, numerous reports of undercover investigations of Planned Parenthood where Planned Parenthood employees have refused to report statutory rape. They have willingly gone along with sex trafficking uh, and they have done other things that are illegal under state and federal law, so much so that the U.S. Congress is currently investigating Planned Parenthood, wanting to know why this billion-dollar-plus annual organization that gets hundreds of millions in taxpayer funding every year uh, is uh, the subject of so many reports of abuse and malfeasance. And I think the taxpayers uh, have a right to know that.
1: All right. Let's. Let's. Uh, thank you, Steve. Let's. Do you want to go,
0: Mary? Yeah, I've got a few uh, comments from guests that have come in online. The first one is very brief. Uh, The guest says, I guess you do not understand the difference between killing when sent to war and abortion. The next comment uh, is a little bit longer. It says, did the services Mr. Aiden speaks of also provide... Family planning, counseling, and services, which include the gamut of family planning, meaning options, which go beyond abstinence and adoption. My personal experience with Planned Parenthood was a patient seeking contraception as an uninsured woman. The fees for services and contraception are on a sliding scale according to income. Brilliant. Uh, I received contraception, but also received an annual exam, which included a pap smear. In order to continue to receive birth control from Planned Parenthood, I had to have this exam. At that appointment, my health history is reviewed to note any changes or concerns either myself or the nurse had. Planned Parenthood offers services to women and men which surpass abortion. Defunding, Defunding such a program harms these people and will not eliminate abortion. Planned Parenthood, in my experience, offers information, all options, contraception, conception, carrying and keeping one's baby, planned or unplanned, adoption and abortion. I am a citizen and I feel it is up to the individual to decide. That's the end of her comment. And then another comment that came in, uh, the Murdoch reference is related. Could one of your guests speak about the GOP's sanctity of life amendment? It's as if I've been transported to the dark ages. And that's it for our online comments.
1: All right, We only have about three minutes to go, so um, who wants to respond? One,
3: yeah, I'll well, take a crack at that one. Um, you know, the, uh, okay. the, services, the, the services that we're talking about, uh, reprodu- so-called reproductive or family planning services is a business model that was invented by Planned Parenthood about 40 years ago in conjunction with Population Council. Uh, the idea was to get birth control out to as many people as possible and abortion along with it. But it's not good health care. No matter how good they might make you feel, it is better to go to a primary provider or a provider of preventive medicine, not a boutique provider of family planning services and it's a shame that so many women only go to a Planned Parenthood in a single year because they need to be seeing uh, family practitioners, they need to be seeing uh, gynecologists, they need to be seeing individuals who uh, provide holistic preventive care so that all of the usual dangerous risks can be screened for and more women's lives can be saved. Okay, Steve. Thanks.
4: Steve, I just Jane. want to jump in. This is Jane and and say a couple of things um, on behalf of Planned Parenthood. I, Planned Parenthood um, provides quality services. Otherwise, the attempts to defund Planned Parenthood would center on that. The, all they've been, um, the attempts have been um, finding other ways to to um, to defund Planned Parenthood because the quality of the services they provide are um, exceptionally high, and many women go to Planned Parenthood because it's their only option. Uh, with twenty eight clinics across the state of Indiana and the. Um, the clinics across the country, often Planned Parenthood is the only provider that these many women have access to. Uh, and until until we have better
3: services are still eligible. Until
4: um, we have better health care options for everyone, um, Planned Parenthood provides the services as as it can um, to the women that come to them, and and they step up in many many ways, and and finally to um, I find it um, a stretching uh, credibility to suggest that providing reproductive services and um, uh, the ability options for family planning has led to more pregnancies and more abortions. I,
2: I find that um, incredible.
1: Beth, 30 seconds.
2: Okay. Uh, I just wanted to note that um, another injunction against a similar law in Arizona uh, had been upheld. Uh, so in terms of what's kind of coming down the pike and where other courts are coming down, Steve's mentioned a couple, but I wanted to note that. Uh, and I think uh, that st- when Steve mentions that there are a variety of other uh, legal measures attempting, being attempted or being taken by states to try to um, reduce access to abortion. I think that's certainly true. I think we're seeing that in a variety of ways. Personhood amendments is one mm-hmm. of the callers I think talked about. Uh, and uh, the Virginia Transvaginal Ultrasound Measure. I mean, there are a number of things that uh, this is not a one-front uh, legal effort by uh, organizations like Steve's and others. So.
1: Okay, we are out of time. Thank you, Beth thank Kate. You. Thank you, Jane thank Henniger. You. Thank you, Steve Aden. Uh, also, thank you, Mary Catherine and producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, as well as engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.